0: The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business on News Talk. Sonia McEntee, Principal Solicitor at Sonia McEntee Solicitors and Chair of the Law Society PR Committee. And before we get to legal queries, Sonia has made it clear that she wants to contest a number of assertions that have been made about Cavan people in the programme so far.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So if there's any difficulty understanding my accent this morning, just let me know. Don't mind breaking it down, don't mind going a little bit more slowly. But also, we're well known for our hospitality, our spirit of generosity and foreign students have always been welcome.
0: This is on the back in case you missed it, of the revelation earlier on that the, the formative years of Vincent Garand, who is the French ambassador, occurred in a rural farm in Cavan when he was but a teenager, made him that he, the man that he is today, which led to a number of Cavan jokes. So I apologize to you, Nevin McGuire, and everybody in Cavan. Now, to legal questions, there are buckets of coming in. There are a lot of them coming in in respect of things like uh, workers' rights, sick leave, and all the rest of it which I assume is becoming a more fraught area, given things like flexible working, hybrid working, people having had expectations formed during COVID that they're now being told, tough luck, get back into the office. Tricky times.
1: Absolutely tricky times. That's a really good way to put it. And uh, tricky for employees in terms of what they're trying, the changes they're trying to adapt to and what they might have become used to during a limited period and trying perhaps to go back to you know the the old style let's say way of working Very because it was my employers as well though in yeah, trying yeah. to na- navigate all of that
0: i was always of the belief maybe wrongly that a contract was formed not just by the writing on paper but by the mode of operation that had become the norm so if you spend 18 months working at home during covid is that a contract?
1: Um, I I wouldn't have thought so. In the sense that those those arrangements came about as a result of you know pandemic extraordinary measures, if you like, emergency type circumstances, um, and and of course there's a lot of difficulty now with employers looking for employees to return to the office back into full time office working, and employees have become used to you know maybe being at home a little bit more flexibility in the mornings, the evenings, that sort of thing, and you've also I think being, you're going to talk about childcare, all of those sorts of issues coming in on top of it, so. There is a right to request uh, flexible working arrangements and um, that is quite new. So that was introduced into law earlier this year. The employee can request, particularly where they have caring responsibilities. So not just children, but maybe parents or, you know. I always find
0: this weird, Sonia. And again, maybe I'm totally wrong on this. I can request a live goat. It doesn't yeah. mean I'm going to get one. The, the right to request is meaningless,
1: is it not? Listen, any, any contract that is entered into at any time can be varied where both, both parties agree. So if you go to your employer and you ask for something and the employer agrees, that then is a variation. In your terms ideally it's reflected somewhere in writing Anton, even an email that if there was a query later you can go back and say no we did agree it and this was what we agreed um so so important to remember that you can always ask but no where it's not already granted or where it wasn't already agreed there's no obligation necessarily on the other side to to agree to it but some there has been some loosening as i said in terms of some employment law rights the right to request flexible working is one of them that wasn't something that it existed previously that does come down come down to your employer um and that, it's not suitable for every job either. So fortunately, some people are out there and their job requires, you know, on-site presence for certain hours and that sort of thing. And, and they won't be in the same position. To I'm always intrigued to by
0: options. how much the debate and the discourse around this focuses on the white collar office worker, because there are so many forms of employment where hybrid working and working from home just ain't a runner. I mean, you're, you're not swinging hammers and using power tools from your bedroom. Yeah, no,
1: it's, that's very true. I suppose the impact of employment rights is... Um, varies very greatly depending on the type of work that you do and then you might say that higher earners benefit to a far greater degree perhaps than lower earners do and that's why it's important you know things like the minimum wage and all of these kinds of discussions are so important too for protecting people in those jobs. Well.
0: And of course all of the, the usual stuff still applies and still is an issue and we've text coming in in relation to that text asking um, if you are on illness leave and due to return after a specific period of time can they advertise your role after that specific period of time elapses
1: yeah I, I mean it, it this sounds this is a very strange qu- query, I would almost say because to me there's an obvious answer there which which is no so if you go into if you take up a new job, so let's assume for a moment that this person is still quite new in this role and for whatever reason has had to go out on illness leave firstly um they do have a contract of employment. You're entitled to have your contract of employment in writing within a week of starting your job. So really important that that's very clear. Your contract terms should be written in writing. Those contract terms should also deal with what happens if you go out on illness leave. So if this person has been out for, you know, a long longer than a couple of days, let's say, or whatever, and there's talk of return on a specified period... I'm going to assume that that's certified leave. So I'm going to assume that they've been to a doctor and they've been, here's your medical Well, if they're a couple of weeks driver. into uncertified,
0: so, there would be a fair Exactly, they'll,
1: they'll need that. They'll need that, absolutely. And in those, so even if that person is still within a probationary period, any dismissal during, during a probationary period still has to be handled with some fair procedures around it. So if the employer is advertising a role, maybe the first question I would be inclined to ask is, what makes you say this is your role that is being advertised? Um But if they can say, well, very clearly, this is my role. Do you think the employer might have an issue there, a question to answer? So um, where you're out on certified leave, you have an employment you have your contract there you're entitled to go back to your job and um, and anything that's going to change going back to what I said about variation in contracts of terms if there's a discussion to be had that discussion is that discussion is there to be had
0: there's, I suppose by the way 53102 at a cost of uh, 30 cent or 0871400106 on WhatsApp if you have any questions for our legal expert Sonia McEntee there is a tendency Sonia I think when we when we talk about this to, to always assume that it is competent and to some extent that the lawyer is large monolithic and malevolent but if you're a small business, and you find yourself in a situation where you have a, a person who is sick, possibly interminably. You, you you don't know how long interminably, I should say. You don't know how long it is going to be. What do you do? I mean, yeah. you must be thinking, I need to fill somebody just to get the job done.
1: Well, well, it, and that's absolutely the case. But you know, you can take people in on temporary role. Uh, the employment market is very difficult at the moment, and I know certainly within our own profession as well, very very hard to get staff. There's a lot of movement, and and employers are in competition for workers. So when people go out st- go out sick, it. Remember, that does place an extra responsibility on everyone else around you to kind of carry that workload. So the employer can perhaps, and in some circumstances should, look for somebody to fix that role or to fill that role on a temporary basis. I think it's harder and harder to get people to fill roles on a temporary basis. But so, yeah, yeah, these are challenges that are there.
0: Um, A text saying, uh, Anton, days worked at home should command lower pay, surely. Some folk are really playing up and some have no choice but to drag themselves to the place of work. Well, we're seeing evidence of that in some of the big multinationals where they're saying you're more than entitled to work it from home if you like, but it will be factored into your performance reviews, which is effectively a way of saying we will pay you less for doing it.
1: I think that's, it's a really interesting take on it because you have to look at the value of the work that's being done. So, I mean, go back your your comment earlier about white collar workers, but say go back to the legal profession. The value of the work that I do if I'm sitting at my desk at home is unlikely to be any less than the value of the work that I'm doing sitting in the office. And I can make arrangements and organise my week. a uh, work around meeting clients and maybe when I do need to be um, on site in the office. So I would say to that, uh, no, if the value of the, my work is the same, that shouldn't result in any in any reduction in, in uh, salary.
0: On on an unrelated topic, but I I thought you might want to respond to this text saying, Sonia may be a cabin woman, but she's hiding it well in her accent. She must have had grinds to learn to speak faster.
1: We provide each other with grinds on a free gratis basis. (laughs) I think that's
0: an insult there. Um, Text asking, can a solicitor represent me in court or do I need to engage a barrister and what are the income limits to receive legal aid if I do need a barrister? Did this change recently? Was there some derogation that allowed solicitors to argue in court that was altered in the last couple of decades? Uh,
1: Well, well, you said recently and then you said a couple of decades. Then I realise how quickly I'm aging. (laughs) A couple of decades part I think is is relevant there. So um, solicitors, yes, have a right of audience in all courts and that wasn't always the case. Oh, in all courts, In all courts, yes. Solicitors can argue a case in all courts. So that wasn't always the case. Um, When do you need a barrister um, when you're depending on what court you're going into you'll very you will very usually see that in the district court solicitors do most of the advocacy work in this in the uh, district court circuit court maybe a little bit of a mix as you move on into the superior courts you do see barristers doing, advocacy is a special skill and um, you know the role of the solicitor and the role of the barrister are actually quite quite uh, different and they work in tandem, they complement each other when a legal case has been taken So the solicitor handles the client builds the file if you like, gathers all of the information, the um, barrister often does more detailed legal advice around maybe so sort of more complex legal points that might be considered uh, maybe assisting in valuing the case if that's if that's required and then as I said those advocacy skills um, in terms of arguing the case in front of a judge um, or the preparation of affidavits and and more detailed legal documents like that. So solicitors rely on um, barristers in respect of taking certain cases, most more likely in the superior courts. Um, so then, district district court, most likely a solicitor would do uh, the work for you. And
0: what are the thing of the income limits to receive legal aid if, if I do need a barrister? Is that it, how long is a piece this, of string? This, um, this is
1: it, it, this is a hugely fraught issue, I suppose, um, Anton. And some people might have seen um, the criminal law barristers in particular have been protesting about the rates of legal aid that they're being paid for for um, court work. And that is something that I would say has to be reviewed. The rates are standing at something like 2002 levels or 2003 levels. They're, they're quite, they're very, very low. Um, family law legal aid is treated a little bit differently. There are legal aid centres around the country, you know, when you can go to them and you can sign up and they will assess. Um, I, I don't have the figure off the top of my head in terms of the income, limits, but it's quite low it's quite low. And again, this is something that needs to be revised and reviewed, reviewed because once you move across that threshold, now you're into needing private solicitor and, and private legal fees that are coming with that as well. So certainly, you know, I mentioned the Law Society here. This is something that's very, very current with the Law Society in terms of engaging with the Department of Justice around legal aid rates. Pe- people are entitled to it. It's there. We're supposed to provide it as a state. It's a form of assistance and it needs to be broadened out beyond family law as well and into perhaps into areas like employment law. There are lots of people who are in low paid jobs who need legal assistance and who can't afford it.
0: I want to read you what I think may be one of the more ominous texts that we've ever got in terms of legal advice because of its shortness. It reads, hi, can people do their own divorce?
1: OK, well, there's a short answer to that and, and the answer is yes. However, for many, many reasons, it may not be appropriate to do it yourself. All right, um, the court's office, where you want to undertake some legal work of your own of your own accord and to do it yourself, court staff are really good. They'll help you go into the local court office. They'll they'll assist you with the forms that you need and what you need to do to get started. So that, and in some circumstances, financially, often people need to do it or want to do it for themselves. Although
0: I assume in a divorce, in, in an amicable one, maybe, but if there's going to be an argument, I,
1: I go further and say, in an amicable one where there are few or, lit, or few assets and also where there are no children. You know, so you are narrowing down the circumstances there where this might be something that might be an option for you. I think other than that, it's really important that um, some legal guidance is available to you. You know, the outcome of divorce proceedings is very much that um, there is proper provision for all parties and that you know, I, I go on to say that varies from one case to, but it genuinely does vary from one family to the next in terms of what somebody's income is, what their outgoings are, what the circumstances of family members are, all of those things to be taken into account. So so the circumstances in which you may be in a position to handle your own divorce are, it can be done, but I think limited, uh, Anton.
0: I have an interesting, an awful one from the texter's perspective, but an interesting one in terms of the odd little sort of um, complexities of issues. Text saying, hi, Anton, recently got made redundant. If I'd been allowed to work my notice period, I would have qualified for the annual bonus. However, they chose to pay my notice in lieu, meaning I was off the books before the bonus date. Do I have any recourse? Does an employer get to choose whether they pay you in lieu or is, is that up to you as to whether or not you work your notice period or is it agreed? Or?
1: That, um, well, that, that might be agreed, that might not be agreed and yes, it can, it can happen, all right, and, and it can be done. So it's a payment in lieu, I suppose, your termination date is earlier rather than later but you're paid for the, diff- you know, so um, in oh, many it's cases... it's brutal think, to
0: do it to you so you don't get the bonus. You know, though, if <laughs> you
1: think about it for a few minutes, uh, you know, working out that notice period when you know your job is coming, that, that's a really, really difficult place to be in, both for employee and employer. employer. So. There can be re- there can be reasons for doing that in term in terms of bonuses for most employment contracts that I would have looked at over the years, the payment of bonuses can be discretionary. All right. So the first question to ask there is, is there any discretion around the payment of bonus or was it part of your contract? Was it genuinely a a bonus that you were contractually entitled to? But if if the
0: bonus says we pay it at year end and you're gone before year end, does the employer say tough luck on your bike?
1: it might be worth a further inquiry on that one. All right. But I think the first question is whether there was any discretionary element to the bonus or whether it was a contractual entitlement.
0: It seems extraordinarily punitive on behalf of the employer because They must have known it. I mean, that is deeply cruel. Sonia, as always, much more coming in than we could possibly uh, get to. The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business. Saturday
1: morning at 9 on News Talk.